Okay, well, I'm very happy to be joined today by Owen Bailey, who's the UK Innovation Manager at Celsa Steel. Now, that alone would definitely make him a candidate for, for me trying to have a podcast episode with. But one of the reasons that I asked if he would have a conversation is he's been, um, yeah, a really interesting point of contact about whether the focus on decarbonisation is really the right point or not. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But before we go into that, Owen, could you just give a little bit of background about how you have found yourself in the hard to abate sectors? Because you came from a design and innovation background. So maybe you could just uh, tell a little more about that, please. I suppose my career started as a design engineer, mainly in the automotive industry, designing designing cars and car components, uh, working for uh, different car manufacturers and, and suppliers. Um, and while, while doing that, I was realised that the decisions I was making at the design stage had a, a kind of a fairly long-term impact on 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 what what and, and and how a car was being treated, and ultimately what happens to a vehicle at the end of life, and and, and also what how we uh, we define the 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 challenges and, and, and the impacts of, of what we do is is all kind of defined at that design stage, and um, so I managed to do some research while I was working for a speaker manufacturer many years ago, and, and was able to. To get some funding to allow me to take a step away from my day job and, and while doing so I was able to assess the entire life cycle of of that product and and realize that there's a massive contradictions and, and risks and impacts of, of what we're doing and how we're doing it across the entire life cycle of that of that product and it made me realize that if if that is the case for one product this is the case for every single product and every single aspect of of um, of human society at least in Western society. And and I felt there was a there was a better way of, of doing things and, and ultimately if we if we can design in impact and and contradictions and and wastes and, and emissions and so on, we can certainly des- design those out. And and really since then I've, I've always assumed that that waste is just bad design. And ultimately we, we can as a society we can do things in, in a very different way and a more progressive way forward. So, um, and from that, really, I started exploring the concepts and philosophies of the circular economy of cradle to cradle, eco design, um, biomimicry, all these different things and different philosophies that really offer a an opportunity for for industry and society to do things better. So, it so my my career, I suppose, evolved from that from that point onwards. And um, and yeah, I get very excited about about designing whole systems and not just designing the, the widgets that we we we, we utilise within those systems. Celsa sees themselves as a solution provider for the for this this whole concept of circularity, and and in essence, they 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 are already delivering solutions around circularity because Celsa is a steel manufacturer, but we and we in the UK in particular we produce um, over a million tons of product for the construction sector and, and engineering sectors, but we do so in in in, um, in the process of recycling end of life scrap materials. So. Um, so scrap coming from all sorts of industries, including construction industry, um, is is utilised. We we use uh, about 1.2 million tonnes of products of, of sorry scrap material into our process. We use an electric arc furnace to melt that down, and ultimately we we add value back into the the, the, the local and UK economy by by reintroducing that that recycled steel back into into the into the industry into the economy again. Um, so in essence, we, what Celsa has been doing since the 1960s is is um, is delivering circular economy solutions. Where I'm 
where I the, the space in which I work now and what I'm doing is is to to help to introduce the concept of, of innovation into the overall process to make it more efficient, but also to to introduce to encourage the company to understand that that the circular economy is not just about recycling. It's a, it's about a much wider scope of opportunities um, that that any any organisation, including Salsa, can can deliver solutions for circularity. Um, that will provide opportunities for them that go way beyond the, the, the traditional concept of the linear economy, which is which is all builds to a point that we we get as a business we get paid as soon as we exchange our product for for cash. Um, so with a circular economy, we there's, it opens that scope up, and there's a lot more value and values that can be delivered, and um, and ultimately, Salsa as a business is is in a position to be able to to not only satisfy their own agenda towards sustainability and and, uh, and resource efficiency, but also to support that initiative across across regions, across sectors, and across government uh, government's policy as well. So, I mean, obviously, Celso starts from a, a slightly different uh, point than perhaps other companies do. You know, who are um, perhaps developing product from from real kind of raw materials upwards. So they already have that position of, of being part of a, a recycled. Uh, value chain but for the purpose of this podcast we're not talking specifically about Celso we're going to talk a little bit more about why I suppose well let's come back to when you and I got in touch and I was saying I'm doing this business and it's all about decarbonisation for hard to abate Um, I know that you had quite a firm view on that which was that actually decarbonisation as a singular focus um, in many ways enables uh, ongoing waste within the linear economy. I wonder if you can expand on that a bit, because I'm not going to lie, it did take me a, a, a little while of mulling that over to, <laughs> to to really understand what you were getting at. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, sure. If, if we think, obviously, that I, I'm very much about the, the circular economy as, as a solution for lots of different opportunities and, and, and to to address a lot of the, the, the main challenges we have around around climate change and, and efficiency across industries. Um, but I suppose you have to think about the, the counter to the, the circular economy is the linear economy. And linear economy is what we what we as as particularly in Western society have been so used to for, for a long, long time. And and for it's about 3.6 million years old, the linear economy, in terms of as soon as humanity started digging raw materials, whether using stones or wood to make it to make tools or weapons to go hunting with um, that in essence is the linear economy and that that thinking that philosophy of taking resources utilizing resources and chucking those resources away at the end of life that still exists now and what we've what we've become is is a society that has become very very good at um, extracting more and more materials being more and more efficient with the extraction of those materials but we're still Getting rid of those materials at the end of life, and 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 because again that combined view that the only the only perceived value with all those materials is when we is when we exchange those those materials or those services for for cash for money, and the single the single focus is is the money, and um, we we lose sight of all the other impacts that that's, that happens and exists around around that that, that single minded focus, and in that sense we we, we don't. Think about how other other aspects and other opportunities can 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 solve the problems around us. If we look at carbon capture and storage, in the same context as we look at recycling or waste management, we're just reacting to the impact of a linear economy and not designing solutions in that prevent us from producing those, those issues in the first place. So um, 
so this this is what I refer to in, in terms of, of the, the 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 challenges around decarbonisation generally. If we're going to approach the solutions that we need for decarbonisation in the same same way as we created the problems in the first place, then we're never really going to achieve any anything positive. So the whole idea of looking at circularity and systems thinking to to the problem and and and, and therefore to the solutions that we we can start to to develop solutions and businesses and economies and, and service business models and, and and ultimately societies based upon higher levels of understanding and, and therefore we we can deliver solutions that can have a multiple of, of, of impacts that aren't necessarily just about the, the decarbonization aspects in which we can consider now if we and, and the other the other thing which which kind of brought me onto this as well is that Part of my research with the, the, the speaker manufacturer was the, into the different use of materials, like, like things like neodymium, um, which is, is an element used in, in the manufacture of magnets, which is used in motors, and motors are a major part of electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, and a lot of other technologies who are based around this, this, this low-carbon technology revolution. The challenge I have with all of this is that we're still looking to deliver solutions based upon that linear thinking, that linear approach to extraction and, and end of life. Um, so no matter how efficient all of these products and devices are in use, we're still not addressing the problems and, and, and issues with the sourcing of those resources or the end of life challenge challenges around resource recovery or ut utilization. And we're certainly not addressing the impacts that, that those ends of the supply chain have on, on the planet. Um, and so as much as I, I think the, the technology we're developing is fantastic, the philosophy in which we're developing them is still flawed. And I think we need to understand the overall system's impact and approaches in a better, in a better way to be able to really deliver proper, robust solutions. What's the impact of continuing in the way that we are? What is the problem that you know those people with quite sort of very specific engineering minds focused on engineering problems why should this matter what i've always said is designers and design engineers are problem solvers and so if you if you present a problem to them they will solve that problem in, in whatever way form or shape that they, they, they wish to do it um what's where we need to change is 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 the scope and the specification of that problem and ultimately, within a linear economy, we're very, very focused on that single point of contact, the single point of value, which is the point of sale. Um, and that is, everything is based around that. However, if we look at the values that exist around the circular economy, and we take those, blink, those, those blinkers off, or at least we extend those blinkers out, we can see so much, so much more in terms of value and opportunity, and so much more opportunity to make money in, in many different ways. And I think if you provide engineers and solution solution um, providers with that broad level of, of scope, they, they can start to look at many more opportunities that can actually deliver real financial value and not just the single-minded, uh, single focus. Um, and it's also about the, what, what I've always said is, is that uh, no single organization can de deliver the circular economy in isolation. They have to be able to collaborate. And I think the one of the, the traits of a linear economy is is siloed working. So we're very much focused on what our job is and how we deliver our job. Um, circular economy encourages collaboration. So it means that actually let's let's collaborate with the people around us, with the different people in our supply chain, and let's come together to develop solutions which are financially viable, 
and ultimately the consequence is that we reduce our environmental impact or even elim eliminate our environment, environmental impacts and therefore limit the risks associated with, with linear focus. Um, so it's, it's, it's not just the case, the way I see it, it's not just the case that, that the, the circular economy is, is too, too um, complex for people to think of solutions. It's just that we're, we're, we're still trying to think of circular economy with the mindset of a linear economy. So if we can take those blinkers off and explore the ideas and the, the, the opportunities around collaboration, then we can see, we can design these solutions and, 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 and develop these, these uh, business models, which are much more profitable, which are much more resource efficient. And ultimately, if you think about all the, the impacts in terms of waste management, in terms of emissions, in terms of, of um, lack of efficiency around energy use or electricity use and so on, this is all, these are all costly um, actions and they're, they're costing business, a business money. So if we're able to collaborate to eliminate those impacts, it's going to save the business money. So there's, there's lots of, there's so many different opportunities, so many more opportunities that can, can be recovered or available within circular thinking and, and therein developing circular solutions. Could you just give an example, even if it's uh, overly simplified, we'll accept it is. What's, if you were talking, whether it's steel or any other common product, what's, what's the difference or, yeah, what's the difference between the linear economy version for that business versus what a circular economy model might look like? Well, I, in fact, I, I can do better than that. I can actually point people in the direction of, of a business that's actually doing this now. And I would ask people to check out the, uh, check out River Simple as a business. River Simple is based in in, in Mid Wales, and River Simple is a company that is designing and developing um, a, a car, a vehicle. What they're do, doing is designing and developing a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, which is very lightweight, which is predominantly going to be used in in kind of in in regional situations or even rural situations. So it's very focused on on its 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 environment for its use. It's, it's a lightweight vehicle because they're using carbon fiber and, and, and lots of different lightweight materials. Um, it's a hydrogen fuel cell. The fuel cell itself is, is um, generating power and driving electricity into the capacitors, and those capacitors are, are driving motors in each wheel. Then the motors on the braking will regenerate back into the capacitors again, so therefore the efficiency, energy efficiency throughout the whole system is, is phenomenal. The, um, but the really interesting thing gets into the business model. So these guys are manufacturing these cars, but they're never going to sell a car. They're, they're go only going to provide the car as a service to its, its users. They're looking at mobility as a service throughout what, um, what they're delivering. And so therefore, you become subscription. You, you, you pay for subscription of the use, pay by the mile, pay by the, the use. And so therefore, what happens is that included in your subscription is all your mileage, all your, your fuel, your tires, your insurance, your tax, anything that, so you just pay a flat, flat rate every time you use it. Now, the reason they're doing this is that they, by doing so, they retain ownership of the vehicle itself. So they can then design in technology, they can design in longevity into the process because they know as long as the car is being used, they get value for that car. So effectively, they get, power, they get paid every single mile that car is driven. And so therefore, over the lifetime of the vehicle, they, they get paid every day. They don't get they don't get paid once at the point of sale. They get paid every single day. But the real interesting elements come into it when it comes to the end of life. So they've designed this car that at the end of life it can be disassembled and recover and all those resources and materials can be recovered to provide the material resource for the next generation of vehicle. 
So you start to, to look at circularity across the entire life cycle and you get paid every single day of that life cycle. And then ultimately you get paid multiple life cycles for the same bit of resource. So you're not continually digging up raw materials, processing it and delivering and, and selling it that one time to have to do it again and again and again. You effectively have multiple opportunities for multiple over multiple life cycles to get paid at every single stage. Now, the re- other interesting element to what Riversimple are doing is they, they're, this whole idea of a service business model, they're also linking with their entire supply chain. So they don't purchase motors from their customer, from their supply chain, from their tier supply chain. They've embedded the, the, their suppliers into this service business model. So what happens is River Simple leases the motors from their suppliers, which means that the suppliers have a vested interest in designing for longevity, in designing for service, in designing for a point in which that if any if anything is well durability is one thing, but if anything does go wrong with the with the components, they can take them back and replace them and, and retrofit and so on and so forth. So because they always have control because they don't they don't relinquish control by selling anything. They just provide the product as part of the service uh, and they become service providers for mobility. So what they're doing in the direction they're going in is is really, I feel, a benchmark for most most organizations. And if if organizations can can take even an element or some elements of of the business that that River Simple are developing um, and apply it in their own context, then we're we're all in a much better position going forward. So... um, so yeah, in terms of encompassing all of this philosophy, I think River Simple are the one business I feel at this stage. There's there's many more, but there's in terms of doing it, but in the one business that is close to hand to, to demonstrate. Any organization can start this journey forward by asking questions of what they do. Uh, asking questions, simple questions about what what they what their business model is, what their where the do their resources come from? As in, where does what's the supply chain doing? Um, what impact does the business and the supply chain have on, on the planet, on society, and on, on, on economics even? Um, and ultimately, if you're if you're in a position to ask these difficult questions and listen to the difficult answers you might be getting, and and basically rather than um, arguing or fighting against these answers, actually listen, take these answers on board, and try to therefore look at elements within your own operations how you can deliver solutions or at least develop solutions which can start to reduce your impact mitigate your risks and ultimately therefore you start to develop new solutions can, that can provide lots more opportunities and on the basis of this 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 um this baseline study that i i would ask any organization to do is start to understand who your supply chain is and see if you can have open conversations with your customers with your suppliers and how you can come together and develop collaborative solutions along this, these lines. So there's, there's things you can do straight away. You can almost hear out in the ether loads of disruptors going, well, that's exactly how I'm looking, and that's what we want to do. And it's kind of, to some extent, easier to do when you are a disruptor coming new to market and you can redesign everything from scratch. doesn't mean it's difficult for other companies. It's not impossible, but it's definitely easier when you're starting your product and your value chain from scratch. So how does an incumbent industrial um, because of course, my my focus, our world, and DecarConnect is the industrials. Where where do they start? And you mentioned a few of the questions, but how do we make it possible for them to find this kind of business model, next gen business model? Well, I think I think, that, and, and the questions I, I referred to earlier are the ones that it's for established businesses to start asking those questions, because obviously you have you have you have answers to be able to come back to. You have data related to those answers as well. 
Um, I think it's when you start collating all that, that that information that you might get from where does what what's what's your what's your supply chain? Where do your resources come from? And that across that supply chain, and really kind of walk walk the supply chain, ask ask really difficult questions of your suppliers, and finding out really down to the, the nitty gritty of of what happens. Because ultimately, businesses at the moment are, are purely interested in getting getting resources in. They don't care where necessarily where it comes from, uh, as long as it's it's cost it's cost effective to do so. And they don't as soon as they sell something, they don't really care where it goes to after that. So so really, you need to look at the full life cycle of what you do as a business and, and ask those questions. Um, and I, you can do that. It's but it's it's then kind of moving forward in, in terms of. Also asking questions about what what directives, what uh, standards, what initiatives from government policy, and how that might affect your business going forward. What what future initiatives are coming from government? Once you have all that information together, then you'll start to see elements and pick out elements that that can present opportunities, particularly if you're having these conversations with your supply chain, and and start looking at and your customers, and start finding out what from their point of view what are the the challenges they face day to day. Because really, it's it more often than not, it's about having that that discussion, that open discussion, giving people time to to uh, to offload their challenges, their issues, their, their their aches and pains from day to day operations, and and how then you as a business can 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 look at what you do and help them deliver on their their challenges, and these are all ways I think that the current business can actually deliver solutions and and ultimately start to transition towards a more circular narrative and a more circular approach to what they do and and therefore start to decarbonize um their entire operations and, and ultimately be able to decarbonize their 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 markets their their sectors and, and what what it is they, they provide because there's also the opportunity and then this is something we're exploring from from steel is that salsa as a business we're, we're a steel manufacturer but we're also a a significant processor processor of scrap of metal, and so there's no reason why we can't offer what we do as a service to 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 our customers and to other industries to say, well, look, if you want to give us some steel, we can help you process that, and that will start looking at resource efficiency, decarbonisation, and provide you steel back into your next build and your next your next generation of products. So, so we just become service providers for for this whole idea of circular steel, but that again. That is a concept that can be reflected and scaled up in, in other areas and other businesses and other sectors for other materials. Some of the kind of very early stage uh, circular models that I've seen, for example, I know there's sort of work going on in plastics. Is there anything else that you're seeing, again, in, in those hard to abate sectors that you think are signs of early, you know, early moves into this that people should be aware of? Well, if, if I just, I suppose, add, add my two pennies worth for, for the idea the, the idea of plastics and, and the big plastic problem we, we, we have. Um, and in fact, I, I, a student contacted me on LinkedIn recently and asked that same question. And my response really, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not a unique response, but plastics aren't our problem. It's, it's we're the problem. Our utilisation and our understanding of, of, of that supply chain is the problem. Our understanding of... of and it's a cultural issue more than anything else that that we assume that that single use plastics are, are a throwaway item, and that that is the that is developed over the the fifties and sixties in terms of convenience and, and uh, very much an American driven uh, marketing initiative where we start looking at convenience in the home and so on. And the throwaway is is is, is what, how we want to live our lives, and 
And so it's people are the issue, not, not plastic. Plastics is a phenomenal material. Polymers are phenomenal materials, and, and we wouldn't be in, we wouldn't have a modern society without them. It's just we need to understand the entire life cycle of, of each and each element of plastic. And industry needs to take responsibility of, of what happens. And again, this this is the plastic problem we see at the moment, and, and, and ocean, plastic in our oceans is is a product of the linear economy because of the siloed nature of what we do and how, how we view things. And the assumed, the only assumed value is at that point of sale. Manufacturers and, and producers of materials need to understand how the industry can collaborate to develop solutions to make sure that that plastic never goes back in, never never get mixes with the, the natural environment. Because within, again, within circular economy, there's two elements of, of um of, of um, metabolism. So there's the, the biological metabolism and the technical metabolism. And in a biological metabolism, we talk about nature. And in nature, there's no such thing as waste. It's just food for new life. So by reflecting that into a technical area, it's it, there is no waste. It's it's feedstock for new development. So what we need to make sure is that those two don't ever mix. And, and that when we start talking about technical materials, those technical materials go back into to perform the next generation of product or technical material or packaging or whatever it is would be. So it's how we de- how we design and develop the systems to allow that to happen more efficiently and effectively. And that then the, the narrative in terms of telling the story of to our users, to the users of our products, to our to our customers, um, that this is what we want you to do and how we want you to do it as well. So it's it's about that joined up approach, that systems solution that can be available through circular thinking. Um, and, and ultimately, we need to treat the materials we have, the resources we have, much more responsibly and, and not be a culture which thinks that throw away is, is, is acceptable because it isn't. It, it, there's no such thing as a way. I think there's sort of two, two interesting strands here that live neatly alongside each other. Though. There is the we shouldn't be that kind of society because it's not not a great way to live but at the same time it's also coming back to your point that that sort of wastage represents inefficiency which represents lost opportunity for pragmatists out in the world that those two drivers are important and, and that's what i feel that the for me that's what that's what the circle economy offers is is yes it kind of gives you an opportunity to realize okay i've been bad but also it gives me an opportunity wow so many more opportunities i can i can I can come. I can deliver so much business. I can actually develop, and, and so much more money I can make by by looking at this. And, and because it just opens up, and I, I think I wrote in an article recently that it just liberates. It liberates design. It liberates materials. It liberates creative creativity, and it certainly liber, liberates business and the and the economy. Um, and I think the more we see this, and the more people start to understand that this that this this whole idea of circular circularity. And the principles that, that it, it, it brings to the fore um, can leave us in a much, much better position, both in terms of our financial situation, but also in terms of, the, and I think the happy consequence of a, of a circular economy is, is we, we eliminate our impact on the environment. We start to develop a more socially aware and, and, and socially equal society. Um, and, and it starts to embed the, the principles that, that that in Wales, are, are around the, the, the Future Generations Act, um, start to look and secure the well-being for future generations. Owen, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. Um, 
Yeah, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your help during the research phase because you just, it was the start, I think the starting point for me to understand that there's there's a lot more than just, I mean, I still see the meat and decarbonisation obviously, but I think there's so much more that um, certainly we as a business can contribute to, but also just so much more to, to explore and to look at. Anyway, um, thank you again. It was a great conversation. Oh, pleasure. Thank you.